Today's episode of Locked On Royals is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Wind blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagaras. And gone, Alex Gordon. In comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Stiles, and joining me today is draft expert Jeff Ellis. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. You know, we got six days till the draft. It's uh, a little bit sad that it's a short draft, but uh, it's always exciting to have any draft. And uh, right now, with no sports and all the negativity in baseball, I'm looking forward to having the ability to talk about something fun. And Jeff, you know, the MLB draft is unlike the NBA or NFL. I mean, you are one of the few people that truly, I think, knows every prospect who's going to get drafted next week. What are we in line for with this prospect pool? Is there a ton of talent in this draft? Honestly, I felt like this is one of the deepest drafts in recent memory, uh, specifically college pitching. The the prep pitching is a little bit weaker, I would argue. The prep hitting is probably about equal to what we see most years. Um College hitters is probably equal, but the college pitching, I've never even seen anything remotely approaching what we have in this year's class. And, you know, it's, it's a situation where last year's college pitching group was not deep at all. And that was a huge issue where this year's group, I mean, there's going to be guys who go in the third round who I feel like would have been the sixth or seventh best pitcher a year ago, just comparing things. So the depth of college pitching in particular is just, it makes this entire class incredibly deep. There's, I feel like when we only have five rounds, uh, there's going to be really good pitchers who just don't get drafted. It's, it's kind of crazy to look at. Especially in Kansas city, you know, Dayton Moore loves those college pitchers. Yeah. I, that's the thing. It's, you know, depending on what they do early and we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, but, way it sets up for them with their later two picks. I mean, they could be set up to go, you know, bat early and then just double down on pitchers right there and get an interesting talent. There's going to be someone who slides to their, uh, their competitive balance pick for sure. So let's talk general draft for a second, because again, you're one of the very few who can actually discuss this and have a, a, a vast knowledge of the situation. What does it mean for baseball that they're only going to have five rounds this year? it means that it's going to be easier for them to cut minor league teams Um, on a very, you know, jaded level. That's what this feels like to a degree. Um, It, it also feels very short-sighted. Only I know some owners by reports and, you know, it's always the reports and we don't have anything outside of someone stating something, but that some didn't want the draft at all. But especially for, you know, a team like the Royals, like the draft is how you're going to primarily build Five rounds uh, will allow you to add some talent, but uh, you know, even going ten would have been nice just to be able to to help stock up those lower levels. It's uh, 
you know, I, I, like I said, I just find it a bit unfortunate we didn't at least get 10 rounds, but we'll have to see. I, I don't know how the free agent, the uh, undrafted free agent market's going to shake out. It's going to be, uh, that's going to be something to watch. And the undrafted free, free agents, they can be signed for only $20,000, correct? Yes. Uh, now, I mean, all the draft picks, I could have this wrong top of my head. I, I look at the players. I often sometimes mess up some of the, uh, the, the minutia of how things are supposed to work. So I think, you know, even like whoever goes number one gets $20,000. Uh, and then at next year's draft, they get four, you know, 50%. And then the, the 2022 draft, they get 50% or cause at one point in time, I know they debated like you'd get a lump payment at the end of the season as well. I'd have to dig into that, but everyone is essentially from the first overall pick to an undrafted free agent uh, on that draft week is getting 20 grand. That's, that's, all that anyone can get. So would you expect to see a lot of these prep guys just go to college, whether it be JUCO or division one, if they don't get drafted, of course. Yeah, it's well, the problem, of course, the other side of that is, you know, nobody lost a year of eligibility. So now all of a sudden mm -hmm. there's this general feeling of uh, if you go, how blocked are college teams going to be? Uh, there's there's going to be a huge shuffle with all of this just in terms of, uh, in, you know, there's always the, just the dirty underbelly of this all where there's some kids from very poor backgrounds who, uh, 20,000 is a lot and they're going to be tempted to take that, uh, just because I, it, it's, it's money in hand during what is for a lot of people, a very tight time. So that's part of the reason I also don't like this. It does feel a little bit, uh, when you look at the, just the timing of doing this very small signing bonus where, you know, most years it was upwards of a hundred thousand without it being an issue. And I, I think we'll see some, the top talent, I still think we'll see about the same rate go to college as didn't. Uh, I am very curious though about, you know, your, your guys who are juniors or seniors this year, how many might risk going back for next year because they still have eligibility. So, Whenever you talk about the draft, you always hear the slot value and then what the player demands. For a market like Kansas City or really any team, is it going to be, in your mind, easier or harder to sign a high school prospect? Because on one hand, if, if they're good enough to get drafted, they obviously have a good reputation. On the other hand, you didn't get to play your senior year, so you can really elevate your draft stock with a year or two in JUCO or with three years at Division One. What What's your gauge on the high school prospects right now in terms of signing contracts? I think it's more like based on who the agent is. Uh, I, I don't have any intel on this, but like I have, I've been kind of pushing out there. I think there's a very good chance. Like if, for instance, Spencer Corkelson goes one, you know, he's represented by Boris that someone like Boris or some of these agents, because you're not going to get as much now, they're going to push for larger signing bonuses. Like I wouldn't be surprised if bonuses on some of these players are, are very large because you know, if you're the agent, you're like, okay, so you're not going to pay us now, then we need more because we're delaying that pay down the line. Uh, I have nothing to back this up. I've not heard it, but I just think it's kind of a natural thing. It's, you know, they're going to end by asking for more for some of the top end talent. Uh, you essentially, you're getting interest down the line. So I'll be curious to see how that works. Um, you do hear a lot of talk right now about I mean, we always do, but it, there is a little bit more talk this year than in years past about uh, manipulating signing bonuses, uh, maybe looking to sign a lesser talent to save money from your pool for later. 
and I don't know if that's, you know, if it's just because teams are more willing to do that. We really haven't seen a team uh, early do that, honestly, since Car uh, Carlos Correa with the Astros. But uh, it could be, like I said, a team, team seem more willing, or it could be that some agents are going to ask for a lot more. So you're really into the draft and, you know, down the pipeline into the prospects. And how does this season impact prospects? I mean, you look at a team like the Royals who are really counting on these arms like Daniel Lynch and Brady Singer and also their young bats like uh, Bobby Witt Jr. to develop and, and become their next core, taking this year off from the minor leagues. And then, again, whoever you draft this year, not getting to play professional ball this year. How does that impact the development? Is, is there – really any way to project that or do you maybe just take a year off of whenever you would expect them into the big leagues? How, how are you going to go about gauging that? Uh, so what I'm in terms of gauging it, I kind of have to wait till I see them on the field again. What I think we're going to see in terms of how we go about uh, developing uh, with the players, even though they're not playing, um, I think it's easier for pitchers than hitters. And the reason for that is because of all the tech we have now, you can do a lot with, um, you know, just working on form and showing them. And you can do that too with hitters as well. Don't get me wrong. But I think the best technology right now is with pitching and pitching mechanics. And, um, you know, I think about uh, Adam Odovino. Hopefully I said his name right. I'm mm -hmm. terrible pronunciation. The Rockies to the Yankees reliever. And, you know, when did he have his breakout? Well, he like spent a winter in a warehouse using – uh, some of that tech really going over his and uh, his delivery. There's some great pieces on that. So I think with pitching, you can, you can do a lot of what they're already doing. I think you can help them keep going along, having video conferencing, sending data packets back and forth, recording everything, seeing mechanics. It can be a little more difficult again with, with a hitter because yes, you can look at the mechanics of the swing, but so much about like developing as a hitter is, pitch recognition and seeing certain looks and different types and just having that exposure. And I don't feel like that's as easy as, as easy to replicate as just the physical movement of pitching. So I think hitters are going to, it's going to be harder on them, but I think a lot of pitchers won't, you know, there'll, there'll be some missed, but I don't think it's going to be as pronounced. You're not going to want to miss these deals from rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody. They are reliably low. RockAuto.com allows offers from the lowest price points possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everyone and does not require a membership or an account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers. Again, 20 years in the online auto part selling business. A lot of you had no idea what the internet was 20 years ago. So this is a huge thing that Rock Auto has sustained as a family business. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the how did you hear about us box. That way they know that we sent you. It's an amazing selection with reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. This episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a phenomenal protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, get $10 off that first order. Folks, you've heard about it all month. Built Bar is the best and the pristine protein bar. They're great for pre-workout, post-workout, and even just as a plain meal replacement if you want to. I've eaten them for breakfast. They're just that filling. 
They're low calorie, low carb, low sugar. It's what you want with a 100% real chocolate on the outside. What more can you ask for from your protein bar? It's amazing. My personal favorite has to be the banana nut bread. You can go to BuiltBar.com right now, put in promo code LOCKEDON, save $10 on your first order. And then just real quick, have you heard anything, if we do get a season this year, of how they're going to manage service time with, with prospects who maybe didn't play? Like Brady Singer was knocking on the door of being called up probably, you know, later on this year whenever he would still retain a year of eligibility, a year of service time, I should say. Have you heard anything about that at all, or is that something that's way down the line? I think that's kind of down the line. It's, you know, when they talk about, you know, I, I talked about on uh, the Locked on Indians podcast, it's this whole idea of like the taxi squad and mm -hmm. they have to kind of redo everything because the taxi squad's going to be like, essentially rosters are going to be like 50 big. So how do you do a 50 big roster when you have a 40 man? And then how do you go back to a 40 man if this season, it like, I think anything with like, uh, you know, the arbitration and, the, you know, uh, being added to 40 minutes, it's all going to be just kind of a, a disaster that they're going to have to figure out step by step. But I think it's all going to have to be changed uh, from how we deal with the service time issues with this season and just, um, you know, overall the roster stuff. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be hard to go back. It's going to be weird to see how they can go one way, change it back and, and the like. So who are some names that Kansas City should be looking up for and studying up on as we get towards the draft? And, and you know, what, what would really fit Kansas City well? This draft, I hear it often as like a top three draft. I am personally someone who I like four guys at the top of this draft. Um, and then I think in general, there's like a solid nine. Like there's nine guys where if they went in the – anywhere in the, the top 10, I would be like, okay, I can understand the why of this. Um, after the, that, and there's a, a little bit of a gap and then there's a, the next grouping, I think I have to like 40 or 41, like, you know, and while the player at 10 is significantly better than the player at, at 41, uh, it's one of those things like my player, I have a 10. If you want to move him down to 22nd, I kind of get it. If you want to move the guy who's like 22nd up to 10, I kind of get it. So for the, you know, Kansas city in particular, uh, the the third guy um, who is there for me if and would be considered the one who would uh, be most likely available would be Nick Gonzalez. Uh, I've been on him since his sophomore year. Uh, I like to write up and do a fun with numbers piece. So I kind of have my brag point. I'm pretty sure I wrote the first Nick Gonzalez article because <laughs> I can tell you when I wrote that article and I was digging, there was nothing. It was a wasteland of information. So I wrote that piece uh, back at 24-7, and it just intrigued me. And I kept following him and looking at the numbers. And, you know, I, I was still kind of out there waving the, the Gonzalez flag. Like, this is a really interesting player, but the cape uh, made it impossible for anyone else to ignore him. There are limitations, and there's a ton of reasons and why people are going to have concerns. But he just keeps performing. And... I get that he struggled against Asa Lacey, but everyone did. And when he faced top competition, he may be pressed to try to show more. But it's what balances it out to me is, again, he faced top competition on the Cape and made it look easy. Uh, I do think – I don't think he's necessarily going to go to the Royals, but I do think he would appeal to Dayton more. Like, you know, this is uh, a guy who chose to stay closer to his family than take lesser scholarships, a uh, player who's just worked his tail off. Uh, consistently outworks people, seems to always improve, always gets doubted, but keeps performing. Uh, you know, kind of has those intangibles that I, I think would appeal to them. 
but uh, we've seen them kind of historically when they have those high picks go more ceiling and that's where Zach Bean comes in. And you know, I, I recently did something where I went through all the numbers uh, from, it's a limited group, 2010 to 2015. I was just curious to look at every prep hitter taken in the first round, every prep pitcher taken in the first round. Cause we say that, you know, prep pitchers are so risky. Well, 47% of prep pitchers have made the majors and 52% of prep hitters. So hitters are also really risky, which is why I have him a little bit lower. Um, I know Kansas City fans would hate my write-up on him because I said, you know, he could be a five-star player or he could be Bubba Starling. Like, I mean, he has some <laughs> physical he has some physical resemblance, you know, in terms of like mm-hmm. build and size and athleticism. Uh, but I mean, it could work out on the other way. And then you have uh, a guy who is a legit five-tool middle of your lineup bat it's it's high risk high reward but I you know the the reason I would bet on him being more of a great player than a a guy who struggles in the majors is the fact that he has advanced plate discipline and when we talk about hit tool I'll get on my soapbox here I feel like we are terrible at understanding and evaluating players hit tools and it's more about how pretty a swing looks than anything else when a player gets a hit tool grade and looking for things like advanced approach matters because there's so many guys who are given, you know, my classic example is Bradley Zimmer was rated as the highest hit tool in his class and he was striking out 27% of the time at San Francisco, which is a very small university and a small program. Right then, no one should have, you know, and I, I, I parroted what others said. I was like, oh, this guy's got a great hit tool. It's like, no, he doesn't. And I think hit tool is more than just what the swing looks like. You have to look at the things like plate discipline and that's what Veen has. And that's, what's going to make him much more likely to succeed. Um, I have him seventh on my board. I debated him versus Kerstad just because Kerstad has performed at the highest level you can outside of the majors and minors, but Veen's overall ceiling and uh, potential just was too much to look past. So I know that you have your big board and, and, Covering the NBA draft, I know it's a little bit different, but over our, I cover the NBA draft, and you know there there's some guys who I have ranked lower, but personally for me, they're one of my guys. But just given the perception of them, and and given just the nature of the NBA, I rank them a little bit lower. Give me your top three, three or so guys that you truly believe in. That maybe you know they don't have to be considered widely the best prospects, or have to be ranked high in other people's boards. Just for you personally, who are your top three people that you're willing to say, hey? this guy's going to be a stud in the majors once he gets there. Um, so if I can, I don't know if I'm necessarily willing to go stud, but I can tell you like the guys that are like my guys, that I think are undervalued or maybe could, uh, you know, be more than they, we think, uh, the, you know, if we go past Nick Gonzalez, leave him as an entire thing. Cause he is pretty high everywhere. Uh, the next guy would be Dylan Dingler, the catcher from Ohio state. Um, Having gone to Ohio State, uh, I'm always curious to look at their recruiting classes. And then back in the day, I was living in Akron, and Ohio doesn't have a lot of uh, baseball near me. Akron just brought back its baseball program for a few years. They had gotten rid of it. So I either had to go to Kent, which was a strong program, or down to, <clears throat> excuse me, down to Columbus. So I was always curious about Kent and Columbus just to see what their recruit classes. And they had a phenomenal one that year. And everyone talked about Seth Lon's way, but I kept going back to Dylan Dingler even then. Uh, he was part of a, his high school teammate, Kyle Nicholas, will be a second round pick more than likely out of Ball State. Uh, together, both of those guys were on a state championship, starters on a state championship basketball team. And just 
for the fun of this being a draft, Dylan Dingler was an all-state punter. So when he comes off the board, we'll have a punter taking the first round of the MLB draft. Uh, just this great athlete. He started out in center field at Ohio State. He's raw, but every year he seemed to just improve. Two-year captain, one of those guys who uh, I didn't hear a bad thing about. And, you know, it, uh, at one point in time, my, my way too early mock draft in the fall, I put him as a sleeper to the Rockies with their comp pick. And I had someone go, uh, way to spoil the surprise. You know, it was like there, there were some people who were really hoping that he would not uh, not be popping already. And, you know, you are hearing his name more and more. And there is risk. Uh, he has been banged up a lot. But the power is there. The athleticism is there. And the work ethic is there. And I feel like the potential just with his power and uh, – the rest of the skill set is even if he ends up being too banged up to play catcher, you're going to find, you know, you can move him to like right field and he would be at least an average performer. Uh, he ran like a 606, 60, I want to say something like, like he ran a ridiculous 60 for a catcher this, this fall, like re really good athlete. Um, the, another guy, not a first rounder, maybe not even a second rounder, but uh, I'm very curious to see is, Xavier Warren. I don't know how familiar people are with Xavier Warren. I want to make sure I have his statistics right. He is a positionless, in my mind at least, a positionless player from Central Michigan. And I say positionless because he played short there. Most think he could move to third base. There's, I've heard, you know, we could maybe try him as a corner outfielder. And there's also a lot of people who think he can catch. And he caught a little bit this year. Uh, at Central Michigan. He had a really, really strong cape. Uh, went there, again, another guy who proved himself. And for me, what I just liked is when you're looking at college and the lower minors, one of those tools that I always look at is bat pips. If you're not familiar with the why, or, you know, bat pip is batting average of balls put in play. And typically we look at that to see if a player has been lucky or not. But there was um, a great piece by Chris Mitchell, who does who did Cato at Fangraphs, who showed this is one of the best indicators of success at lower levels. It shows not so much luck, but uh, just a player's ability to make contact. Last year as a sophomore, his bat pip was 448, which was one of the highest I've ever seen. 23 doubles, 59 walks. The strikeouts were a bit high at 56, but uh, I'm just intrigued. Switch hitter, maybe, like I said, I would try him a catcher because catching, as we all know, is a wasteland for finding talent. But Kate Performer, one of those guys you can probably get on the second day of the draft who is a small school guy, has a bit more ceiling due to that, and could play all over the diamond. He's he's one of those guys, he's not in my top 50, but I made a special mention on my big board as I was writing it because I was so uh, so intrigued by him. And, so, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and the last guy I've just been super high on is Aaron Sabato, the first baseman out of UNC. Uh Draft eligible sophomore, cold weather bat, went to UNC just as a sophomore, was one of the best hitters in the country nobody talked about. Everything I look for when I'm looking at numbers for a hitter, he did. Uh, first base only. We only have the one season of full data, which also hurts. But uh, I'm a believer. I think he is the best first baseman uh, after let me just make sure that this is true. I believe he is the best first baseman after Spencer, Spencer Torkelson in this draft for me. 
yes. Uh, sometimes I make statements and then I'm like, I forgot someone. But yeah, I, I believe in uh, in his ability as a hitter and what we've seen. I think he's probably being a bit underrated. And he just turned uh, 21 today. As I was pulling up his numbers on Baseball Cube. So in a dream scenario, all right, we get, we get to round one. We finish on June 10th. And Dayton Moore walks away in the first round with who? I would think right now, uh, if you're like looking down the board, you're probably going Zach Veen at four is likely. And then um, I'm going to pull my mock in front of me. Uh, you know, their comp pick, you're probably hoping one of the college pitchers slides to them. Um, maybe in a dream scenario, it's Cole Wilcox. You know, they have not had, they've taken risks on ceiling with guys like Jackson Kowar where they didn't quite have the polish uh, or the development you'd hope. So maybe Wilcox with that second one. And then, uh, oh, that would be all of the first round would be those two picks. So what would you say is the realistic option? If, that, if that's the dream scenario, is that also the most realistic option? What would you bet on right now that Kansas City's looking at after round one? Um, so after round one or in uh, like with that comp pick or with the, yes. Okay. So with the comp pick, the thing we know about Kansas city is as I was doing my research, cause, um, for me, there's so many lies at this time of year, you know, agents are trying to do the best by their players. Teams are trying to get guys to slide to them. Uh, it's, it's all over the place. So I'm always looking at tendency data and we know that, uh, one of the big things is that the Royals are, their arms have to be big guys. You know, they're looking for kind of more the prototype. Uh, so the question then at that point becomes like, who could be there in the, in the thirties? Um, you know, is it Wilcox probably isn't going to be there. I mean, mo I think everyone and their mother has him going to the nationals. So if you pull him off the board, it's like who legitimately could be around. Who's a bigger body pitcher. Probably are looking at Bobby Miller from uh, Louisville or maybe Slade Ciccone from Miami. I don't think uh, Cavalli gets down there. Maybe Carmen Majinski from South Carolina. Those are probably the guys. Because um, they do tend to, like part of me wants to throw in Logan Allen, but I can't remember his exact height off the top of my head. Um, but I also feel like they tend to, in that first round, go for a little bit more of dynamic stuff. Jeff, this has been great. I appreciate all of your time. Let them know how they can find your work and find you because you're going to want to follow Jeff throughout this next week and throughout this entire rest of Twitter history because he does great work with MLB and especially the MLB draft. Uh, I, since 24-7, got rid of baseball. I now write at mlbdraftnow.blogspot.com. Uh, it gets updated. That's where my stuff is. It's all free right now. There's no paywall, no, no anything. So you can go read a full big board and not have to pay for it. Uh, you can find my, everything I do will get posted on my Twitter, which is at Jeff MLB draft. Uh, I do host the lockdown Indians podcast. If you ever want to hear uh, anything related to the Cleveland Indians. And I was uh, just to throw it out there. I think I'm going to be doing a live stream through YouTube and maybe hot mic on draft night to give another alternative take on uh, all the rounds and everything going on. If people want to drop in, drop out, check that out. And again, I don't say this to, to boost the ego of you or just promote our company here, but you're going to want to watch Jeff's broadcast because a lot of the times whenever you're watching any draft, but especially the MOB draft, the guys on TV don't really know what they're talking about. 
They're just kind of looking at highlights and just kind of saying buzzwords. Jeff, as you can tell by this podcast, has truly dove into every single prospect that you're going to see get drafted. So you're going to want to go check that out again. That's going to be on Hot Mike or YouTube. They can find that on your Twitter page. Yeah, it'll all get posted in there. I'm still, you know, I'm I'm getting closer to 40. So I'll, I'll be the first to admit it's learning how to stream has been a new adventure for me at this point in time. So uh yeah, I mean, if, if any of the young kids want to throw me some ideas or some advice, I will definitely listen, but it'll all be, everything will go through the Twitter. Well, Jeff, thanks for joining me. They can find your Twitter in the description below. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Lockdown Royals.